Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, and I'm doing the show tonight, our final show of 2023, uh, with my usual boon companions, uh, Sue Timberlake and John Roberts. Yo. Say hey, kid. Hey there. <laughs> and we also have a special guest, uh, Cole Nasrallah, a professor of philosophy, critical thinking, and logic in Las Vegas. Hello. Hello. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to be focusing tonight uh, mostly on uh, the vast swath of, um, I guess you could call them myths, but, you know, misapprehensions and uh, illusions and lacunae and stuff that people either don't talk about, don't know about, or don't know enough about. Uh, surrounding, uh, well, let's call it the Levant and politics there, because that's a, that's a hopefully neutral geographic term. Um, but before we get into that, I do just want to mention that we do love to hear from our listeners, uh, even the ones who uh, are sick of my dulcet tones and maybe think we sh- I should shut up once in a while. I don't know what you're on, what, what you're smoking, but, you know, that's fine. It's working for you. Um, but anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, the best way is to email contact at civilpoliticsradio.com, which is, of course, our dedicated uh, uh, website with uh, previous recordings of episodes of the show, some supplemental stuff, uh, link to that uh, list of trusted news sources we whipped up a few years ago, and other good stuff like that. Um, yeah, and I should also just mention that uh, this is our final show airing at 7 p.m. on Fridays, starting next week. January 5th, we will be airing at 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune on an hour earlier, or obviously if you're listening to this uh, on a podcast or whatever, it doesn't matter. But anyway, <clears throat> so yes, yeah, so we're super excited about that, kicking off the new year, following right after uh, Democracy Now! Um, and in no way, shape, or form will coming right after Amy Goodman make us look less than we already do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep telling myself that, and gosh darn it, someday it'll be true. <laughs> Will it, though? <coughs> Is that something have that we should really think of to ourselves? Do we really want to be lying to ourselves at this at this state? Just, um, you know. um, um, mm. Who are we talking okay. to? I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna switch off this before I have to start call get my therapist an emergency call. Um <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, so uh and, and I yeah, uh we'll we'll certainly have like a look at the at the year that's gone by and you know, talk about all kinds of other current events like uh Donald Trump not being on the ballot in Maine, perhaps, and other things like that. <laughs> but for now, yeah. Oh man, that's so funny. Um, but for now, I think we do want to focus on, uh, events happening in Israel, Palestine, uh, Syria, Lebanon, and, uh, the, the well, the Middle East in general, but in particular, throw we're inter- Yemen in. I'm sorry. I said throw Yemen in the mix. 
Hey, why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just another horribly bloody war where lots of children are being killed that's being paid for by the U.S. government and, you know, done with U.S. weaponry. So that's jump right into it. Cool. All good. Yeah, it's been a while since we. I feel like you're 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 hoping I'll uh, I'll I'll fill in (laughs) for your mouth writing checks that your Mm -hmm. podcast can't catch uh, with that Amy Goodman throwdown. This is, um, we just I, let Mike go for the first few minutes. I oh, well, <laughs> here's the thing: I uh, always write checks that my mouth can't cash on this show, so that's nothing new. But the other the other thing is like it has been a while since we talked about uh, Yemen, but uh, yeah, um, we're we're solidly anti murdering children on this show. And um, uh, it's a continuing source of deep disgust that uh, my tax dollars pay for it um, because that's awful. Well, I was just going to say that some children are more equal than others. You know, that's (sighs) yeah, that's the. That's that is that is how we act. It occurs to me now that you guys have no idea that Yemen is actually really doing amazing stuff for Gaza right now. (laughs) Sorry. No. I did. I didn't occur to me that you had no idea that Yemen was. Uh, they're 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 blockading uh, the ships transporting weapons to Israel. Yep. Um, it's wonderful. It's That's incredible. Amazing. I just yeah. didn't want to leave them out. Sure. Yeah. They're, absolutely. They're no. There, there there's been a, a a major diversion of shipping traffic from the Red Sea, uh, uh, and the U.S. is having to ship everything in through the Mediterranean now, which is um, yeah. So everything um, being, you know, bombs and ammunition and whatnot. Well, that that, you know, when a huge portion of the U.S. economy is dedicated to making weapons. uh, Yeah, that's 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 a lot of what we sell around sell around the world. Got to maintain that positive balance of trade. So, um, Cole, there are a lot of things we want to talk about. Uh, One of them, a thing that when we were sort of pre-gaming, uh, that I thought was particularly interesting that I didn't know much of anything about, I uh, hadn't really heard about at all, was uh, the idea of uh, sort of Israel greenwashing its occupation. And specifically, <clears throat> um, greenwashing is often used to the idea of like, oh, yes, well, ExxonMobil is developing clean coal technology. And it's like, well, what is that? Well, it's nothing, but it sounds good, so we say it, and that helps. You know, like, it, it's akin to that, but it is a it is in this case something rather different and kind of more sinister. Um, but there's this whole uh, movement, and I've seen ads for it uh, uh, independently of uh, like you know helping to plant trees in Israel, and that sounds cool, but it's actually uh, has a rather, rather darker side, which you uh, opened my eyes to. So could you tell us a bit about that to get us started? Here? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the tagline is actually make the desert bloom, which doesn't sound insidious at all. That sounds lovely. Mm. Uh, and I, despite the fact that I am a Lebanese woman, <laughs> found out about this originally many years ago from a Jewish friend who had been persuaded as a child himself to donate funds to plant trees in the Israel desert and make the desert bloom. Uh, Later, he found out, and vis-a-vis I found out, uh, that these forests 
that Lebanon, or not Lebanon, my apologies, um, that Israel is planting are to cover up the destroyed villages of over 700,000 Palestinians. Um, one of them, one of the larger ones, is called the Lebanese Forest or the Lebanon Forest. Uh, but they've been growing now for, in some places, about 50 years. So they look somewhat organic. They're actually super destructive to the native desert environment and the olive trees and other things that Palestinians lived on uh, when they were in these villages. But more importantly, they cover up the massacres and atrocities that occurred all throughout the region. Uh, so what you see instead of the rubble of buildings is these beautiful forests. And that just strikes me as profoundly insidious. Well, that's because it is. So that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of disgusting. <clears throat> Honestly. We're going to link to some of the articles about it. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yes, we will. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly hope so. I, I, I think if people knew that they weren't donating money to plant trees, uh, but instead to cover up the massacre of an indigenous population and their towns and villages, they, they would really think very differently about this. But if you take it a step further, uh, Israel uses these trees that are purchased charitably, ostensibly, uh, to buy carbon credits to offset the further massacring that they're currently doing. And I know that's not typically a verb, uh, but I feel it's appropriate here. I think uh, it's, we've, we've said stronger about, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean the greenwashing. And that is, is classic greenwashing. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Especially credits. with, with, buying off carbon credits and and this is and usually carbon carbon credits are just a terrible thing but th yeah. this is like it, it just feels like a, like a further attack on on the region like yeah we're going to plant trees and then we're going to get money for it too it's, it's disgusting well especially when you account for the fact that militaries and military activities are some of the greatest carbon outputters there are on the planet. Uh, so they can offset military action with these charitable donations of trees that are actually destructive to the native environment and cover up massacres and atrocities throughout the area. And those aren't words that I choose. That's how these events are described as massacres and atrocities. Mm -hmm. Israel has, like, since the <clears throat> October 7th uh, uh, pogrom that uh, uh, Hamas did, Israel's response has been nothing but an ongoing series of massacres or else an extended giant massacre, um, you know, like that we know of about 1% of the population of the Gaza Strip has been killed. Uh, and it's probably a lot higher. And something like 80% well, of the people there have been displaced from their homes because their homes have been literally blown into rubble. Sorry, I, I think it's really important to say that most of those people in Gaza yeah. are 
either themselves already displaced people from yes. these mm-hmm. original events that are being greenwashed now through this right. tree planting campaign. Some of those people have been, were um, displaced uh, like 50 descendants. years ago or more, like some of them during the original Nakba 75 years ago. Sorry, I just, well, you know. I, 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 I don't want to distance ourselves from this. Uh, no, no. The direct individuals who were displaced are quite often the same ones who are now further being displaced. And I think that's incredibly relevant. But it's also worth noting that this really just enables this campaign of denial, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The happy face of planting trees uh, isn't just disingenuous because it's buying carbon offsets for all the military damage that's being done, uh, but it's also uh, enabling them to engage in uh, w- what uh, the Arab community uh, calls uh, Nakba denialism, which is actually an official Israeli policy. Uh, you lose public funding and can face jail time if you discuss uh, this mass, uh, can I say ethnic cleansing? Yeah. Well, yes, and Go it, for it. it is, it's, so that's appropriate. Mass, mass ethnic cleansing. Uh, so it's enabling a cover-up of this original ethnic cleansing and the nihilism of it, but additionally further uh, helping to perpetuate the military action that's going on now against, in many cases, the very same people. Yeah. And Speaking of, uh, <coughs> go ahead, go ahead, John. <laughs> I was just thinking, um, military action uh, about what happened over over Christmas. You guys hear about what ha- what what happened in um, the the one of the bombing campaigns that happened over, like actually on Christmas Day. Bethlehem. Yeah, what didn't happen? Mm, yeah, yeah, Bethlehem. They bombed Bethlehem <laughs> on Christmas. No, uh, and there's not wait, an outcry, and that really noting. pisses me off. Yeah, I feel I like it was shut down. down. That Bethlehem is in the West bombed. Bank. It's not in Gaza. Um, I, yeah, Bethlehem's in the West Bank. Right. I, well, I mean, oh, uh, God. <laughs> like it, it, what's I mean the the mass murder happening in Gaza is uh, obviously a huge big deal and like is deservedly the focus of a lot of attention. But uh, Israeli violence against uh, uh, Palestinians, but also just uh, uh, non-Israelis, uh, some uh, uh, believe uh, Marianite Christian communities uh, in the West Bank. Uh, There've been quite a been dozens of uh, murders of uh, Palestinian people living there and people being driven from their homes. It's it's continuing to happen, uh, right? Dozens at is the same an understatement. Time. Last I checked, it was four hundred and seventeen since October seventh. Oh wow! Okay, like I last That's I checked, outside it, of Gaza. No, no, no. Yes. Wow. Okay. I haven't looked recently, but I like when I looked, it was like, wow, you know, more than 63. And I was like, wow, that's, that's way too many. 417. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, so, if, if, uh, if Amy no, Goodman's no. going to be no, a no, precursor I, to your show, you're going to have to start watching Democracy Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea for anyone to watch that show. So. Yeah. Or listen on uh, 103.3 FM, uh, WOP, <laughs> at 5 p.m. every every day. Yeah. 
Every weekday. Every weekday. Yep. Yeah. Well, watch it again on the weekends. <laughs> they don't broadcast on the weekend. No, you just go to the YouTube, watch it again on the weekends. Just keep going. Just keep it on a but, constant loop. Yes. Uh, as much as we, we do want to focus on Gaza, I do think it's worth noting that the West Bank has no Hamas presence. The Palestinian right. Authority runs it. Uh, it is a completely non contiguous uh, Palestinian yep. uh, territory so to speak, uh, but the IDF runs it. Uh, and that should contextualize that 417 figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think Gaza is important, but it also shouldn't be used as a cover up for what's happening in the West Bank. And what you saw in Bethlehem, uh, right. while it was dozens for maybe that single day, uh, is just part of this larger, further cover up of, uh, these activities. And, you know, the West Bank is particularly appealing because it's actually incredibly fertile territory, yeah. uh, whereas Gaza is not particularly desirable. So this slow usurping that we're seeing or wow. not seeing yeah. uh, because of our focus on Gaza is worth noting. Uh, this isn't <laughs> accidental. Yeah. Well, it's it's um, like this whole uh, eruption of violence that happened starting October 7th um, is happening, ha- has happened in no small measure because uh, <clears throat> uh, the Netanyahu administration, uh, which has been, there has been some interruption, but it's basically been in, in power in Israel for many years, uh, has pursued a policy of uh, a combination of sort of ignoring Gaza and sort of allowing uh, aid and resources to go to Hamas because they saw Hamas as a useful sort of, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the term is, not not exactly a stalking horse, but basically like, oh, well, yeah, foil, yeah. Hamas is, well, Hamas is, you know, they're a terrorist organization, they're opposed to any kind of peaceful solution and whatever, so of course we can never negotiate with them or whatever. And yeah, and and focusing since two thousand and six, right? And and focusing on uh, undermining the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, whose uh, overt position is like we want to follow in, follow along with the Oslo Peace Accords. We want to pursue a two-state solution, and so forth. <clears throat> and that is absolutely not what the Netanyahu government wants, and I, I, a, a large portion of the Israeli population doesn't want that either. Um, but Benjamin, Nat- I don't know Nat- if who has a been a large portion. Uh, what would you say? It, it is uh, statistically like one percent of the Israeli population thinks the IDF is using too much force in Gaza right now. Uh, I far be it for oh. me to speak for what they want, but I am willing to accept the polling figures. Well, I that that that's. They yes, uh, too much violence uh, is is a, is a somewhat different question than the idea of wanting a two state solution. But actually, also, I think it's worth talking about the whole idea of the two state solution. Uh, it is something we've touched on a bit on the show in the past, and just fundamentally, like uh, I think it gets at one of the essential sort of uh, contradictions. Uh, and challenges that uh, uh, Israel 
faces and people who care about Israel uh, have to sort of negotiate, which is like the idea that like Israel is a democracy and it isn't a democracy in a number of ways. Uh, of course, there are a lot of people who live there who aren't citizens at all, who don't have any rights, <clears throat> but also just the idea that um, like, you know, there's the, 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 the law that, you know, the actual, you know, this has actually been drafted into law uh, by the, uh, the Knesset um, a few years ago. Uh, the idea that like Israel is a Jewish state, that it is, um, I guess, an ethnocracy would, might be the term. Um, I'm not uh, – that I might be – I mean I use the expression ethno-fascist theocracy, but you're okay. welcome to use whatever expression you prefer. <laughs> well, I just <laughs> – I'm, I'm like – yeah, All right. Look well, at you using like accurate descriptors. All right. But the – the idea that it's a um uh it's 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 not the idea of democracy which is like everybody is a person and therefore everybody has rights and so everybody should have a voice isn't compatible with the idea of like but you know this is a place for uh you know israelis or uh, you know a jewish state you know and that's in the same way that it's like well germany should be for germans and america should be for americans or or whatever um, and, oh, and I see that I've actually just sort of gone over a little bit. So, um, uh, I'm going to awkwardly can transition. Can I ask a question? Can we, can we? Well, I, I mean, hopefully no, because I, I do have a response to what he said, but after that, <laughs> ideally, yes. Yeah. Well, why Please don't. respond. Oh, we, do we have time for a response? Okay, yeah, we sorry. have, we have, uh, five minutes. Oh, okay. Oh, like, I thought I'd give you a wonderful pause just then. My I'm bad. sorry. I um, thought so, the line was you, 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 moving. Right. My my bad. Okay. You did. Yes, uh, so, you, you, Cole, well, please. you presented four things. Uh, mm -hmm. I kept a running tally, four things that I wanted to respond to. Um, and I so Start with number one. and foremost, <laughs> uh, the idea that there is an ongoing peace process that Israel is behind and advocating for. Uh, that, that and that will take some time to address. Uh, the fact that it's a democracy uh, is really problematic because you cannot have a democracy in an apartheid state. Mm -hmm. Moreover, very recently, one of the few Arab members of their legislature uh, has been censored and mm -hmm. effectively kicked out of the legislature. And I don't know how you can have a government body evict uh, an elected official and still call that a democracy. Uh, additionally, the idea that, you know, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. Uh, I believe those were the things I wanted to address that you said, but they just kept piling up. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> sure how to. I, well, I, I, I didn't say that, that, but that that, that is it, the tagline the Israelis like to throw around. Yeah. If I can say, I it, did it, not it, know... A lot in there. Yeah, I didn't know that there was actually an Arab member of of the Israeli government at all. I'm I, um, that just because they're there or they were there or whatever is it, surprising to me. I I am I'm not sure of her background entirely, um, and I don't want to throw any shade. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but but uh, I do not believe uh, she is uh, entirely Arab. Uh, that being said, she was effectively uh, very recently, I believe, as of two days ago, 
thrown out of the legislature um, for objecting mildly uh, to the activities of Israel in Gaza. And that doesn't fit my definition of a democracy. I don't think that fits anyone's definition of a democracy, especially when the voting population doesn't have equal rights. Exactly. So I love exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. well, you almost you almost addressed my question because before we went on the air, you were saying that we always say, "Oh, Israel's the only democracy in the area, and we need to keep them as a friend." Blah blah blah. And Lebanon sitting right there, and I, you know, yeah. it's so easy to. Lebanon is also a democracy. In fact, more robust probably than Israel. I, I find the the claim that uh, Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East particularly offensive uh, because I, I am a Lebanese and Syrian woman. Uh, Lebanon actually recently elected a record-breaking number of women to their legislature. Uh, and they're all like incredible women with incredible backgrounds. And we don't get to see their profile because this erasure of their existence that takes place uh, because of this, I, I don't have a better word for it. It's, it's this Israeli propaganda. Uh, I, I have to see powerful women like me be erased and this democracy in the Middle East that is strange. And I'm happy to talk about the strangeness of the Lebanese democracy. Uh, but 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 is a democracy not nonetheless and deserving of respect, as are their elected officials. That 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 erasure can't be understated. The fact that we believe this myth, which is easily debunked, that Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East, when I doubt it is a democracy at all, is appalling and and should offend anyone. Who has heard that line and accepted it uncritically? That that's horrible, and it's horrible that our media allows that myth yeah. to perpetuate. Well, Israel is no more a democracy than the well. Th there's there's still some some ways to go for the United States, really. But you know, before the Voting Rights Act, when you know, you know, explicit segregation and 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 racial quotas and whatnot, you know, the U.S. was an uh, was an actual legal apartheid country. Um, until just before I was born, um, you know, like Israel is, is, is that way. It is, a, uh, an apartheid state is not a democracy in the same way that the United States wasn't. And that's not something well, that, uh, Americans like to South talk Africa about, but it's true. Was. Sure, sure. South Africa much more recently. And that's where the word apartheid comes from. But I just, you know, um, I don't know. I always feel like it's worth remembering that uh, when we talk about like, you know, the problems of imperialism or, you know, colonial displacement and genocide, and whatnot, it's like, oh, you mean like the things we've done here, you know, like, like, let's, you know, let, let, let's not forget how uh, other people used to live here before, you know, uh, a bunch of European colonists, some of whom were my direct ancestors showed up and, you know, kind of, kind of, Put you know, kind of killed some people to take over their stuff. So yeah, you're bit. right that it's super problematic, but I, I want to resist taking it back to historically because we are in a moment right now uh -huh. where 
a child dies every yes. few minutes and <laughs> there's an active genocide taking place. And well, I, I don't think it exactly amounts to equivocation. Uh, I, I don't think it's particularly useful uh, to bring up the absence of democracy in America when we're watching an act of genocide. So I hope you won't begrudge me too much if I resist these comparisons. Uh, okay, sure. Well said. Well said. <laughs> Was that horrible? <laughs> no, no, I think that's a, that's a great place to, to end our first half, actually. Yeah. So Wonderful. we're going to place... We're going to play some PSAs, promo station IDs, keep the FCC happy. And we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a couple of minutes. Please don't go away. We will be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. I'm still doing the show with Jonra and Sue and our guest, Cole Nasrallah, a professor of philosophy, critical thinking, and logic in Las Vegas, and a person who knows a lot about uh, uh, the history of. You can say literal Arab. Like, that's fine. And literal Arab, uh, someone who, uh, who, you know, knows a lot through uh, reading and study and also family history uh, about uh, Israeli belligerence uh, throughout, uh, well, throughout the Middle East, really. Um, 
But specifically, you know, I mean, in addition to fun stuff like, you know, blowing up, a, you know, just launching an air raid on Iraq in 81 and blowing up their reactor, for example, Israel invaded uh, your, your, the country you, your family came from, uh, Lebanon, many times over the years. Uh, uh, 78, 82, there was the whole occupation for like about like 20 years, right? Up into the early 2000s. There was another incursion in 2006 and... More than that. So uh, Israel is not exactly a peaceful uh, 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 moral uh, military. Yeah, they're not a peaceful neighbor. They are uh, they are uh, uh, they have a powerful military and they are willing to use it. And uh, they are in many cases uh, the uh, as they technically say, the belligerent party. So um Perhaps you could talk a bit more about that because is Israeli belligerents, uh, their their attacks are not just limited to uh, uh, bombing uh, uh, defenseless people in Gaza. That's uh, also uh, well. I mean, how many times has Israel uh, uh, launched an attack on and actually uh, bombed the airport in uh, Damascus, the functioning international airport in the capital of Syria? Uh, just this year? Uh, that, that would be 90 times, uh, mm. nine zero. Uh, that's in Syria, which my family is also from. Okay. Um, so uh, Syrian Lebanese, uh, 90 times for Damascus, uh, one very recently within the past few days. Uh, and then, of course, I'm sure uh, those who are following the news are aware that uh senior uh, advisor from uh, Iran was actually assassinated in Syria by Israel. Uh, what, I think it was like two days ago um, through a drone attack. Um, so mm. I think it's really crucial that we, we consider the fact that these are three sovereign nations now. And maybe that's why we call them the belligerents in this situation and i do want to talk about lebanon but you led into syria really well this is 90 times 90 attacks on a sovereign nation and there's no explanation as to why syria doesn't have a right to defend itself we've heard that repeated over and over again about israel but we don't hear that for syria and we don't hear that for Lebanon. We don't hear why my family just had to leave their homes and everything they built in the 80s uh, because there was uh, an aggressive U.S.-funded invasion into another sovereign democracy, another sovereign nation. That's uh, extremely distressing to me. I believe it's uh, 74 uh, bombs from uh, Lebanon, from Israel to Lebanon uh, since October. But on top of that, I don't know if you've seen these charges of the use of white phosphorus mm -hmm. in southern Lebanon. Have. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, those are pretty well well grounded. I, what do you guys know about those? I'm not sure. There's a couple of newspaper articles that were pretty well referenced, and they were quote starting to look into it, and then it sort of dropped dropped off the news so I wasn't sure but it was like what it was like one of the um world 
peace organizations that was trying to trying to track it down, it but it seemed pretty solid. Yeah, so oddly enough, that's what comes of every one of these attacks is we hear that it's happened, Israel denies it, and then we never hear about it again. <laughs> Uh, I, I find that extremely disconcerting, and I think it makes the term belligerent quite appropriate. Yeah, in the same way that Russia is the belligerent in the uh, war in Ukraine right now. So I, I think we need to use what we're talking about right now to contextualize this idea of a peace process yep. um, or Sounds a two-state solution. Uh, because how do you have a peace process or a two-state solution, uh, or in this case, what we're actually talking about is a four-state solution because yeah. they continue to invade their neighbors. Um, when one of those parties with impunity launches hundreds of aerial assaults, attacks, and bombs on its neighbors with utter impunity and then just denies it. Yeah. How can you begin a peace process with that? I don't know that one can. Um, uh, I I remember 30 years ago when, uh, you know, the Oslo Accords were signed and it was it was much more hopeful. But the whole idea, like it seemed problematic and difficult even then because, you know, Israel did have this uh, history of. Uh, invading their neighbors when they felt threatened. And, uh, you know, e even back in the 90s, people were like, well, wait a minute. Like, so you could say you've got a Palestinian state in the West Bank. What happens when Israel decides that they're worried about something and they invade once again and whatnot? Like, you know, a sovereign nation doesn't have, you know, one of the things about being having national sovereignty is not putting up with that kind of stuff. And how would the Palestinians stop them? And what will the world do if the Israelis do it anyways? And well, I think the answer is uh, the Palestinians wouldn't be able to stop them. Uh, the world wouldn't do anything about it. And uh, Israel would do it whenever it felt like it. And that's not really a peace process or an actual two state solution. And that's certainly just how things have continued to play out. It's it's it seems to be like a, a fig leaf, uh, like a useful fiction that they keep bringing up. Um, yeah, you know, to circle back to something I said earlier, it's the same way that you know oil companies or, or whatever talk about green coal, you know, or carbon reclamation or whatever. Like none of that actually works. Like the, to the extent I, they've I, tried to make I these technologies, they don't work, and so it's just a convenient lie to sort of th throw out there a buzzword to to sort of shut down people calling them on their nonsense. I, I, I do think it's a, a convenient or even inconvenient no. lie uh, that they tell. But on top of that, I think we need to recognize the fact that these areas, their militaries are non-legitimate. Uh, Palestine, mm. for example, uh, cannot have a military. So yep. when we talk about Hamas actions, Hamas is the government in Gaza. They're the democratically elected government in Gaza. If you wanted to form a resistance to these perpetual attacks and this constant settlement, how would you do that? Well, in an actual sovereign nation, your military would resist this. 
But when you disallow these people from having any sort of military and still expect them to have sovereignty, uh, when you disallow them to control their imports and exports, but still expect them to have sovereignty, what Mm -hmm. you do is create a situation where any resistance is illegitimate and considered terrorism. Uh, The same is true in Lebanon of Hezbollah, which is a democratically elected political party that controls the military. When people say that Hezbollah is a terrorist organization, that's like calling the U.S. Department of Defense a terrorist organization. (laughs) That's their military. (laughs) That's their job. They were democratically elected to protect a sovereign nation. It just strikes me as profoundly absurd. And when they say, like, Iranian-backed, what we're actually talking about is an alliance between two sovereign nations, Lebanon and Iran. Um, There's nothing insidious about it. These are just the comings and goings of any sovereign nation building alliances. Uh, For some reason, Arab alliances are made to look especially insidious or problematic or even terroristic. But how do you face these belligerent invading neighbors? Well, I shouldn't pluralize it. This invading belligerent neighbor when you can't form alliances, when your alliances are characterized as terroristic or insidious. Right. And um, to circle back a bit, you mentioned uh, the drone strike uh, in Syria that killed an an Iranian uh, official. Uh, who I, I just go- looked him up because I wanted to get his name right. It's Syed Razi uh, Musavi, uh, who incidentally used to be an aide to Qasem Soleimani, a name that uh, people may remember from uh, three yeah. years ago, uh, who was killed by a drone strike by the United States oh. when he by oh, President Trump. Trump. Yes, when he was visiting Iraq. So. This is exactly the kind of same kind of stuff that, you know, we did and that received merited international outcry uh, and really, uh, you know, emphasize enough. These are sovereign nations. Right. We should be acts of war that they should be able to respond to. Well, and And yet the response is characterized as terroristic. Well, and if one wants to sort of question the whole idea of the nation state and the whole, uh, you know, and some of the issues involved in national sovereignty or whatever, like that's that's a whole that's a whole conversation that's yeah, worth having. One does not want to. One does but, not want to. But at that, is, but Again, that is that is <laughs> right. That is beside the that is absolutely beside the point. Yeah, it's like if if you if one recogn- if we're recognizing the sovereignty of. Ukraine as important and worth protecting from an outside aggressor, which I am and I do. And, you know, uh, you know, Slava Ukraine, I, I, I want them to drive the Russians out. I don't want Ukrainians to be killed in a genocide any more than I want Gazans to be killed in a genocide. But if 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 it applies to Ukraine, then it applies to Lebanon and Syria as well. And Yemen and, and Palestine. And Palestine, and it, and 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 the other thing is, if Israel, if if one wishes to say, well, Palestine isn't actually a sovereign nation. Oh, okay. Well, then it's part of Israel, and Israel is conducting, you know, a uh, ethnic cleansing against its own population. That's not better. <laughs> that, that is in no way, shape, or form good. In fact, that's even worse. So, you know, there's 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 no. <laughs> 
covering this up. Um, because again, it's it, uh, it is as neither they also moral nor democratic. Yes, it just shines the truth on the lie that this is the most moral military in the world, and that this is a democratic state. It is neither. And I think if people knew any iota of this history, they would recognize that this does a shame to the idea of democracy, and it does a, a shame to the idea of national sovereignty. I just yes. keep hearing, like, any time that we're that we're talking about, um, like Israeli aggression and belligerence and, and attacks, um, it, 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 I, I, you know, there's that old, old like, drug PSA. I learned by watching you. <laughs> yes. Just, they, like, I, I just keep seeing like a like the, the state of Israel pointing to the United States saying, but. You did it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it better. Yeah. Just well, I'm not sure it's entirely appropriate to blame us. Um, we fund it, mm. but this has been going on for a century at least. Uh, the fact that we're only talking about it now is is both surprising and not surprising at the same time. Uh, <laughs> Because I've been trying to talk about social media that we see it. Um, in in part, um, I I also think maybe uh, America is at a point where it's receptive to the idea that the old dichotomies that we've uh, supported as real dichotomies are are actually indeed false dichotomies. we're receptive to the idea that this uh, light and dark, good and bad, uh, is a fiction. Um, And maybe that came because of the end of Cold War politics. I'm not sure. But uh, in my experience with my students, uh, there's a great receptivity to a non-binary gray area. uh, And I think to a more um, robust history than we're aware of. I think part of, I think that like it is multifaceted. I think part of it is the the fact that more information is available to people than in our country than ever before. Just um which is a double edged sword in, in a lot of ways. But uh there's that and like you said, the getting away from Cold War politics, like a, um I know when I was growing up, when Mike was growing up, we were just hammered, hammered, hammered with um propaganda of all sorts about different cultures and different countries and everything. Uh-huh. And that has kind of gone away the far, the farther and farther away we've come, we've gone from, from like the cold war. Uh, and the, it's, it's kind of fizzling out slowly and because of information and because uh, like the, we're now going into a more pluralistic way of thinking in some, in some ways, especially with people that are younger, then I think it, I think that's why the con like the country is more receptive, not totally receptive, obviously, but there's a crack that like can, see, can seep in where, where people can think maybe it's not just like you said, just light and dark, you know, like 
um, or black and white. Well, I, I, I was borrowing language from a tweet from uh, Children Benjamin of Netanyahu in that actually. Yeah, yeah the, the children of light, of light and the, and the, the children of darkness. Yeah, um, which we should all be appalled by, um, because uh, I'm sorry, goodness and badness, uh, whatever it is, it's not heritable. That's badness. Um, yeah. But you're, you're in a word, you, you've said it, which is a more pluralistic view, a, a non-binary view, and. That that is so precious. Uh, so I mean, thanks to social media, which has censored this Arab voice uh, continually, and <laughs> possibly put yeah. my career at risk. Um, so I, I am I, I am nevertheless grateful. Um, but I honestly think it's just a more, as you said, pluralistic understanding of the world we we tend to be myopic and i think maybe that's becoming incompatible with existence in a global society well and i think one of the things that social media is is doing is uh, this is a a journalist who mostly writes about uh, criminal justice issues that i follow named tana geneva pointed this out in a recent column just that um uh, so, uh, was she was looking at uh, press coverage? I think it was specifically the New York Times. Uh, but you know, talking about how uh, Israelis were dealing with the aftermath of you know the the horrifying massacre that happened on October seventh uh, that Hamas did, and uh, talking to a number of people about how they felt about that and how they were coping with that <laughs> and whatnot, which is you know like yeah, that's 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 news and that is absolute. Those are absolutely stories worth telling. Absolutely, because, you know, massacres are bad. Um, but they then – she contrasted it with coverage in the New York Times of, you know, the ongoing massacres happening in Gaza and how uh, uh, the Israeli uh, Defense Force is uh, interdicting aid caravans. And that, that's why there's people starving there right now because food can't get in. And that's, you know, just more of the same awfulness. But what she, she pointed out was like um, – the first piece talking about how the you know Israeli response to the uh, atrocity on the seventh uh, talked to a number of different uh, Israeli people. Like we got their voices, we got their names, we got their, as she put it, their interiority, like a sense of them as people, as individuals. And none of the New York Times coverage of the uh, of what's happening in Gaza spoke to nobody Palestinian. There was no well, voices I mean, from they, Gaza, and and well, it's just and they, social media yeah. is give well, uh, but social media they, is giving I, us I, their I voices. I, I, Please I go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what uh, I know. Say, make your point. Of, as of this morning, <laughs> yeah. uh, as of this morning, over one hundred and four journalists yep. in Gaza have been assassinated. Hmm. So where is that voice supposed to come from? They are being targeted. And maybe we're supposed to say social media, but they're being censored. We are being censored. So on one hand, you have the censure of individuals. And on the other hand, you have the targeted assassinations mm. of journalists with credentials. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the mere, I, we can blame ourselves, by which I mean Americans, um, mm -hmm. 
uh, or our news media for not receiving these stories. But I think there's a very uh, apparent reason that we're also not receiving these stories, which is the targeted assassination of those who could tell them. That's a really good point. That was 104. I want you to understand that is more journalists than have ever been killed in any other conflict. That That is astonishing. 104 in three months. Fewer than three months proper. No. That's madness. The whole thing is madness. I mean, no. It just these uh, are people. These are members of the press. We should all be outraged by that. That is that is why we don't hear about this, and yeah. we never have. And this isn't new. Yeah, the, these um, are not just people in Gaza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you think the Israelis are going to be able to get rid of Netanyahu? I mean, right now it seems like he. Oh, sure. You know, basically, you know. People are so fearful that they're afraid not to have somebody like him. But do you think that, you know, is there any hope that Israel will get rid of him and find new leadership? Is that directed at me? Yes. Um, I don't know, and I don't think it matters. Um, it would be, th- th- there's this problem Americans have where we want to place blame for a systemic problem on a single individual and uh, Trump, you know, Trump is a symptom, not precisely. You know, Trump is a precisely. symptom of our. We we um, we voted him in. Yep. Yeah, pre- pre- precisely. I, I I do not think that uh, the outcome for this one individual is particularly relevant. This could not happen because of one individual. That is an odd myth that of course makes sense. It makes narrative sense and we like stories. But what happens for him is irrelevant. And like personally, uh, I I burn with outrage about him. But I think it's also important that we recognize that focusing on him misses the point. Yeah, it's worth noting. I was thinking of generational change. Yeah, Mm. generational change. I mean, I think a lot of people in this country keep hopeful that generational change will help make this a better country you know time to hand I, the uh, hand the reins over but you'd hope that but um, it, it, in america change. absolutely i love my students they tell me their pronouns uh they have good boundaries uh, i'm awed by them every day but we can't make it about a single individual that is to miss the point entirely. Fair enough. I would yep, I would also ju- just point out if you remember we talked a bit about about this right after uh, October seventh the uh, because there were concerns about um, you know Netanyahu's facing three different corruption trials uh, there were concerns about him you know like using this uh, you know, this crisis as an excuse to sort of you know quietly make all that go away and uh, so. The uh, Israeli government, uh, you know, created basically like sort of a triumvirate to handle uh, these matters, uh, you know, a, you know, I guess a, a sort of a unity cabinet. And so uh, all of a these war council. a war council. Yes. So all of these, you know, ongoing, you know, 
drone strike killing Iranian officials in uh, in Damascus and uh, the attacks on Gaza and uh, the attacks on Lebanon, uh, everything, all of this is being approved by um, a, 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 a war council that includes uh, Benny Gantz, who is the most prominent opposition uh, politician to Benjamin Netanyahu. He's down with all this, as as the kids say. Like his his position <laughs> is, he, yeah, yeah. I'm 53 and I'm super waspy. Um, but he's he, you know, he's uh, he's he's slightly to the left of Netanyahu, but you know that in a way that doesn't matter. He's he's. So, I mean, th- th- like it's it's a, it's systemically embedded. In Israeli politics, like getting rid of Netanyahu is is just is is changing the the the, the clown makeup or whatever. Let's uh, give let, let um, the last word. That, Sounds good. Uh, so I hear you, but I want to make sure people understand that every year for the past several decades, over seven hundred Palestinians, again per year, yep. Palestinian children were imprisoned without trial. Mm-hmm. So if you want to put this on Benjamin Netanyahu, you need to explain those intervening years. And that is just an average, but you need to explain those intervening years. This mm-hmm. is systemic. It's not one person. Yes. So Palestinian children aren't that bad. Just kidding. <laughs> children. Every child. Oh my God, Sue. <laughs> children are equal. Yeah. <laughs> All children are equal. Sorry, just being a Republican for two seconds. But, um, just yeah, watch some yeah. democracy now, Sam. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, we can go back to go back to talking about why child labor laws are an unnecessary restriction on American business next year. <laughs> oh boy. Could yeah. we? No. Could we really? <laughs> No, please, anyway. please don't. Anyway, so on those cheerful notes, uh, we do have to wrap up. Uh, thank you for listening to uh, Civil Politics tonight. Uh, thank you to Cole Nasrallah, uh, uh, Professor of Philosophy, Critical Thinking, and Logic in Las Vegas, for joining us on this show. And literal uh, Arab. And literal Arab. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you've been great. Um and uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, we've got Subculture coming up next, followed by Table of Contents at 10 and then OK Asia at midnight. Uh, we got a podcast version of this show that's going to be out uh, sometime over the weekend. And we got a repeat broadcast Monday afternoon at 4. So listen to us all over again then. But that'll do for now. Uh, thanks for listening. Happy New Year and good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.